Welcome to Let's Talk About Grief with your host, Addie Anderson. While death and loss are subjects that nobody likes to discuss, you need to prepare for it and deal with it effectively. On our program, we talk to professionals as well as friends and family members who have lost loved ones to help you help others and understand the grief process. Now, here is Addie Anderson. Hi, I'm Addie Anderson, and I want to welcome you to Let's Talk About Grief. This is where we come each week to talk about all things related to grief, death, and dying. Today, my guest is Dr. Chandra Johnson. Dr. Johnson is an associate professor of counseling at Argosy University, Atlanta, and the owner of Greater Living Counseling and Consulting, LLC. She is a licensed professional counselor and a certified professional counselor supervisor. Her clinical interests include grief, depression, anxiety, and couples counseling. Her research interests focus on grief and depression in black males, the overall psychosocial health of black males, and thanatology, particularly the cultural, psychological, and social aspects of death and dying. Over the years, Dr. Johnson has presented at national, regional, and state professional counseling conferences. In September, she will travel to Rome, Italy, oh, that sounds like fun, to attend the 2018 International Association of Counseling Conference. Her presentation titled, The Convergence of Race, Gender, and Grief, Caring for the Black Man's Grieving Heart, will be shared with mental health professionals from around the globe. Dr. Johnson's practice is located in Decatur, Georgia. She can be reached at 678-358-0495 or by email at dr.chandra at greaterlivingcounseling.com. To learn more about her practice and services, please visit her website at greaterlivingcounseling.com. Welcome to the show, Dr. Chandra. Thank you, Addie. Thank you very much. I'm uh, very happy to be here today. Very happy. Well, as I was reading your bio, I, you know, I read about your experiences of presenting at these conferences around the globe, right? And so it just occurred to me that that's how we met. We met at a conference earlier this year, the Atlanta Counseling Association in Atlanta. And it was there where you um, you facilitated a roundtable discussion on this very topic that we're talking about today, how black men grieve. And what Mm -hmm. struck me is that there were so many people there. I mean, I, you know, being a grief specialist, it was my aim to go to all things about grief at the conference as I could. And so when I saw yours, I got pretty interested in it. Glad I got there early because I got a seat. (laughs) But... (laughs) But, I mean, it, it turned out to be standing room only. So were, were you surprised at all by the interest in what you were talking about? I Yes, I was. I was overwhelmed uh, by the response. Um, I submitted it as a roundtable versus a regular education session because initially I wasn't sure of the response. So I said, well, let me you know, put this out there and get a feel. And uh, when I showed up, when I got there, there was barely a seat for me. So I know. <laughs> yes, I was completely overwhelmed, but I was very happy. 
Yeah, and it turned out to be a great discussion, and so so much so that, you know, as we were talking about it, that's when I got the idea to ask you to be a guest on the show. And so fast forward, and here we are. So let's talk here about Here we are, this. right. <laughs> <laughs> so how did you get interested uh, in this topic, and specifically as it relates to black men in grief? Yeah, so my interest, Addie, um, both personal and professional, um, Initially, I will say one of the first things um, that I can remember, um, I'm on social media, but I don't post a lot. I'm not that active. Um, I do a lot of trolling, as one Mm -hmm. would say. And I remember uh, being on Instagram, and I ended up on a young man's page, um, and he just happened to be from Chicago. And Mm -hmm. he appeared to be in his mid-20s, early to mid-20s. And I remember going through his page and looking at his pictures, and this is a young black male, and he had posted, it was at least six or seven funeral programs of friends that he had lost. And wow. just reading his posts and reading the comments, it was obvious to me that these weren't just people that he knew in the neighborhood, but that these were friends. And it mm-hmm. just struck me that a twenty young 20-year-old black male has lost this many friends, and I mm-hmm. immediately thought about grief and, and, and how does he process that? How do they deal with that? And it's not just him, but it's all the other friends. Um, who, who have experienced this same loss. So that really resonated with me. Um, also, when I first started my, my private practice, my very first client was a 53- or 54-year-old black male who was in the car with his son when his son was shot in the head and mm-hmm. subsequently died three or four days later. Um, mm. That was my very first client in practice. And I just remember, in hindsight, Addie, I don't Mm -hmm. know how well I helped him, um, Mm -hmm. but I do know that in hindsight, um, after knowing what I know now, my approach to working with him was the same approach that I used uh, when working with every other client and Mm -hmm. not realizing how unique his experience was as a man, as a black man, um, Mm. and with grief. Um, So that was one. And then also, I have a very dear friend um, who's also a, a counselor. And he experienced a loss. It was his aunt who was more like a grandmother to him. And Mm -hmm. I remember when I got the news, Addie, I was devastated for him because I know how close he was to her. I know Mm -hmm. how much she meant to him. And I just remember our interaction. He didn't really talk about it. Mm -hmm. You know, it it wasn't Mm -hmm. what I was expecting from him. And that resonated with me as well. So I I, I started thinking. And then, of course, as you watch the news every day um, Mm -hmm. and you see these parents and these siblings and Mm -hmm. classmates and coaches who are grieving the loss of Mm -hmm. of black males everywhere, um, Mm -hmm. I just can't help but wonder, what do they do with that? Mm. Yeah, and and that... Apparently, it seems just kind of piqued your your curiosity as a, a as a counselor, as a person for one, as a counselor, mm-hmm. and probably also as a person of color to have to frequently, um, in so many ways as you as you've already described, hear about the losses, the just the the number of losses that continue to occur 
with people who are very young. When you talk about the young man that you saw on Instagram, he was in his 20s and had experienced a number of losses. So I think it's, it's, it's the right question to ask, like, what are they doing with it? And so what did you find? Mm-hmm. Like, what were they doing with it? Or what are they doing with it? Well, and that's the, that's the great question. That's the, I'm not going to call it a mystery, but that's the question that um, I would like to find the answer to so that as clinicians, as, as, as helpers, that we um, are finding the best and most appropriate and most effective ways to help um, black males process grief. And, and men mm-hmm. in general, um, if we look at the literature, we know that there's not as much information out there about how men process grief compared to how women process grief. And so, mm-hmm. you know, when you think about that and then you add to that race mm-hmm. and, and, the, and all the different nuances and factors that accompany that, um, mm-hmm. that is the big question. How do they process that? What do they do with that? Um, mm-hmm. And that's what I hope that, you know, I'm sure we'll talk about later, but that's something that I hope will be explored further in research mm-hmm. and things that we talked about at that roundtable. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And so let's even go back to the basics, right? Because you talk about, you know, how, um, you know, the you know, the research so far has not focused a lot on that population. So let's just go back and talk about just the basics of grief. Because when you think about being in graduate school and you're going through your courses, as I remember, I didn't I didn't have a lot of exposure uh, on grief. You know, it's like mm-hmm. you I got out of graduate school, I got into working and got in private practice and had to kind of pull from here, pull from there when it came to working with people around grief. So let's just go back and, and talk about basically what is grief? Like how, how can we identify it? Right. Great question. Um, for grief to be such a natural social process, it's often a misunderstood social process. And so mm-hmm. in a nutshell, when we talk about grief, what we're talking about is what one feels inside Um, as it relates Mm -hmm. to a loss. So Mm -hmm. um, the feeling of pain, the feeling of hurt, the Mm -hmm. emptiness, the anger, the grief are those feelings that we feel inside. Um, Oftentimes we'll hear the terms grief and mourning, and sometimes we use them interchangeably. They Mm -hmm. definitely go hand in hand, but whereas grief is what we feel inside, mourning is our outward expression of those Mm -hmm. feelings. And I think that's the big piece when it comes to black males and grief, because we're human, we all have feelings, we all have emotions, mm-hmm. um, how we process them, mm-hmm. how we express them, that's the key difference right there. Oh, I definitely understand that. And so when you talk about mourning being the outwardly expression of grief, then are, are you saying or that maybe people or black males are not mourning? that they're grieving and holding it in possibly, but not actually expressing it or expressing it in the way that we're familiar with. Absolutely. You hit the nail on the head. And and the Mm -hmm. literature will tell us, Alan Wolfelt and um, DACA talk about this specifically, but the literature tells us that that healing, and I'm using Mm -hmm. air quotes with healing, um, that healing and progress comes through the mourning process. So mm-hmm. the grief is there, the grief is natural, but the mourning, that's where we're going to see the progress through the 
journey because we know that grief is a, it's a personal journey. No two people will necessarily ex- experience the same thing when it comes to grief, and mm-hmm. no two people will necessarily mourn the same mm-hmm. way. Uh, That's so yes, true. You definitely hit the nail on the head. Yeah, I I totally agree with you with that. And I kind of compare it to like a thumbprint, right? Like we each Mm -hmm. have our our own individual thumbprint and we each have our own individual ways of grieving. And that's why I think it's also important that people not try and compare their grief. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I don't know if you've had that experience uh, where, you know, someone might lose their mother and... um, Another person who has lost their mother might share and say, I know how you feel. When mm-hmm. in reality, what we know is that, you know, the, the, you really don't know how that person feels. What you do have in common at that point is that each of you has lost a mother. And that's about it. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and that is a, a common thing that you will hear people say is, oh, I know how you feel. And I cringe, Addie, when I hear that. Um, <laughs> and oftentimes my response is I can't begin to imagine yes. how you are feeling. Um, mm-hmm. Because you're right. A lot of factors um, are taken into consideration. Perhaps I had a very uh, estranged or distant relationship with my mother, whereas you may have had a very loving, close, connected relationship with your mother. Um, Mm -hmm. How we grieve and experience those losses can be completely different. Absolutely. And, And there are also different types of loss and grief. Mm-hmm. So what are what are some of those and um, you know talk about how black men might experience them differently if if that's even the case the case right so yeah so if you if you study grief um, they talk about pretty much five primary different types of grief Um anticipatory grief uh, or loss, there's traumatic loss, ambiguous, um, what they call disenfranchised, and then there's also the complicated grief. Um, The anticipatory grief is exactly that. We kind of expect that it's going to happen. Um, You kind of know in advance um, that may be the the person or the family member who has a terminal illness. Um, Mm -hmm. I've been a volunteer with Hospice Atlanta for uh, since 2009. And so um, anticipatory grief is something that we see a lot of. Um, Doctors Mm -hmm. will tell you, you know, you have two months, you have six weeks. Um, At that point, uh, some individuals will start the grieving process then. Um, I think one of the biggest misconceptions with anticipatory grief mm-hmm. is that the loss is easier. And yeah. that couldn't be further from the truth. Mm-hmm. Um, you may have a little more time to say your goodbyes. You may have time to do some planning. But a loss is a loss um, either way around. So anticipatory grief or losses is that we know in advance. Um, traumatic loss is the opposite. That's the loss that's sudden. It, it just happens. Um, we see that a lot on the news where we, we've lost a lot of our black males and young black males to, um, just senseless violence. And mm-hmm. it could be homicide. It could be a car accident. It could even be suicide. And, and this could be more complicated for the person that's dealing with that loss. And, and as expected, it may take longer um, for mm. them to, to grieve and to mourn a, a traumatic loss like that. 
uh, which mm. is what we see a lot of. And and uh, another type of, of loss, Addie, is the ambiguous loss. And this one is interesting. Uh, the ambiguous loss is basically you're, you've, you've lost something. Um, and if we're talking about a human being, it could be the individual who goes missing and there's no body, mm-hmm. uh, no physical body. So the person is not present uh, with mm-hmm. you, but you're experiencing or you're feeling that loss. And also it could be the, the person who suffers from dementia or from Alzheimer's. Again, mm-hmm. that person is physically there with you. However, that's a loss of a, of a relationship as you once knew it. Um, oh, and and yeah. so that's kind of how they define ambiguous loss. Oh, thank, thanks for even sharing with the listeners the different types of, of losses and grief, because I would imagine that most people don't even recognize that. They, they probably recognize it after you explain it, but never knew that it That's actually right. had, a, had a name to it, right? <laughs> so thanks for doing right, that. And, you know, uh, we're me. coming up on break. And okay. uh, when we come back, I'd like for you to kind of share with us Talk about like the current socio-political climate and how and how that might have some kind of impact on grief and especially black man's the black man's grief as we're talking about because we're living in some interesting times <laughs> and uh, yes, you know are. as you've already talked about the the shootings and the killings and all those things it it is definitely impacting. Um, I think it's impacting communities as well as larger, as the larger, as the larger world, I would imagine. What do you think? I would definitely agree. And I look forward mm -hmm. to uh, talking about that. Yeah. So we'll get back to talk about that uh, with Dr. Chandra when we get back from break. Uh, I want to thank you for listening and uh, hope that you continue to stay with us. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Are there times when you feel inadequate dealing with the difficult emotions of grieving families? Would you like to help these families but don't know where to start? If so, grief counselor Addie Anderson can help. Discover what many funeral homes already know about meeting the emotional needs of families that they serve. Be a valued resource to families during a time when they need it most. They'll appreciate your commitment to their well-being. Call Addie Anderson at 708-870-6255 to schedule a consultation. Build a better business. Achieve that goal. Make good on that resolution. The Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. It's time to transform your life. Start by tuning in to The Glenise Show with Glenise Hughes. Glenise combines business, relationships, wealth, life, and a whole lot of magic to create abundance and prosperity in every part of your life. It's all done through straight and often frank discussions in the best way that Glenise knows how. Listen every Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time and 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Master your life with The Glenise Show.
This is Let's Talk About Grief with Addie Anderson. If you want more information about our program, please feel free to visit therapyoakpark.net. That's therapyoakpark.net. Now, back to Let's Talk About Grief. Welcome back. We're talking to Dr. Chandra Johnson. And before we left for the break, she was giving us examples of grief, different types of grief. And uh, I would like for you to continue with that, Dr. Chandra. If you would just give us, I think you may have listed two more that you have. Why don't you tell us what those are? Right. Okay. So um, we mentioned the first three um, before the break, anticipatory, traumatic, and ambiguous. And two other types of loss or grief is uh, disenfranchised uh, grief and also complicated grief. Disenfranchised grief, Addie, I I specifically think of the movie Census with Denzel Washington, um, if anyone has seen that. Mm -hmm. And so when we talk about disenfranchised loss, we're talking about those losses that uh, may not be socially acceptable. Um, mm-hmm. And if, if anyone's familiar with the movie Census, um, Denzel had a mistress. He was married and he had a mistress um, and they had a child together. And the mm-hmm. mistress died in childbirth. Um, the child was born, but the mistress died. And I vividly remember his reaction when mm-hmm. his wife told him that the woman died. And so that might be an example or a perfect example of disenfranchised grief in that, of course, there are some people on the outside who would say, well, why would he grieve that loss? He was married and he had this mistress. So disenfranchised loss and, and, and grief are those things that um, may prevent people from mourning outwardly or even sharing yes. their grief with people because of uh, mm-hmm. maybe not being so acceptable. Um, mm-hmm. And and complicated grief, which is probably uh, one of the more significant ones because complicated grief, if not addressed um, appropriately or adequately, is what could lead to maladaptive behaviors that could lead to uh, Mm -hmm. someone needing professional help to to deal with the grief. Uh, Complicated grief has a lot to do with intensity and duration of the grief that the person is experiencing and and it varies from person to person and oftentimes has a lot to do with the type of relationship um, that the individual had with the person who is no longer here. So again, we talked earlier, if, if you've had um, an estranged or, an, or if you were in an abusive relationship mm-hmm. um, with the person versus in a very loving and caring um, and connected relationship, that mm-hmm. could complicate, either one of those could complicate the grief process. Oh, absolutely. And thank you for sharing that. Um, You know, also, um, women who have abortions sometimes experience disenfranchised grief. I've seen that a few times Mm -hmm. in my practice because they're not able to outwardly or they don't feel that they are able to outwardly express what's going on with them and um, what kind of keep it within themselves. Perfect example. You're absolutely right. Yeah. Uh, now, I kind of alluded to the socio-political climate, before, you know, before we went on break before. So let's talk about that. What about our current socio-political climate? Like, how do you think that impacts the black man's experience with grief? I think it exacerbates 
the grief experience for some black men. Um, and again, I, I just want to point out that we're generalizing because we know that not all black men will have these experiences that we're talking about. Um, but our current social political climate, as you said earlier, there's so much going on. And one thing that I believe is unique and specific to black men is that uh, their grief may not necessarily be tied to the loss of a person or an individual um, mm -hmm. because there are so many other experiences that are unique to them as a population and, and a segment of our population. Um, I think if, if we think about it, and, and we can go back for years, we've seen the disparities in economics and employment, mm -hmm. education, their access to health care. We've seen the disparities between black men and their counterparts um, in other racial ethnic groups. And, and when we stop and look at the big picture, we can say that black males have experienced losses across multiple social indexes. So their losses that, that they could potentially be grieving may not necessarily be of a person. Um, mm -hmm. And I think it, it's nothing new, but, but with the immediacy of social media, um, mm -hmm. we hear more and we see more of the senseless acts, the, the egregious injustices, the atrocities that black men are subjected to. And those are grievous experiences. I mean, I grieve for them, Annie, and I know you do when you watch mm -hmm. the news and you hear these stories. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I, I, I have done um, a very little work um, and hope to do more with um, Georgia Innocence Project, but I watch those shows, these men that have been incarcerated for 20 and 30 years for acts mm -hmm. they did not commit, crimes they didn't commit. Mm -hmm. You cannot tell me that that does not grieve their hearts. Yeah. Those are grievous experiences. And, mm -hmm. and what makes it especially grievous is that for black men, it doesn't matter if they sit in an ivory tower, in a corporate boardroom, or in a six-by-nine jail cell. Mm. The fact that they are black men mm. makes them susceptible to these grievous experiences. So, wow. yes, I believe our social political climate can definitely exacerbate the grief experience for a black man. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. And so even when you think about how we're socialized to deal with grief, right? Not just mm -hmm. talking about the black male specifically, but just people in general. Um, mm -hmm. If you think about when you're growing up and you hurt you skin your knee or you hurt yourself and especially like the little boys you know what 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 are they told you know suck it up don't cry right <laughs> you don't know cry. And, absolutely yeah and and you know and and sometimes you might get into trouble with your parents and for punishment what do they do they send you away what, send you to your room, go to your room, come yeah. back when you can be different, so to speak. So those are kind of examples, uh, yeah. I think, that um, not intentionally, but it makes it hard for people to learn how to express their emotions and their feelings when they're hurting. It's almost as if they're mm -hmm. saying, if you're hurting, I don't want to see it. I don't want to see it. Exactly. I don't want to see it. And as a it. society? Mm-hmm. As a society, what so is that 
that that's probably one of the biggest problems when it comes to how are we socialized to deal with grief because in many instances we're not socialized because we oftentimes um, people are impatient with the grief mm-hmm. process. One, I think, is because they don't understand it and it's mm-hmm. uncomfortable, right? Mm-hmm. People, I don't know what to say. <laughs> the truth of the matter is there's probably nothing at all you could say that's going to make it better. Mm-hmm. It's about being present and, and being there. Um, but you, you're absolutely right, Addie, about the socialization. And when we look in the literature, the little bit that's there about men, it, it is stereotypical. And it makes sense that, you know, men are raised to be stoic, unemotional, you know, be strong. Don't be vulnerable. Don't let people see you cry. We don't talk mm-hmm. about our feelings, whereas women we're we're wired differently and i think we're socialized differently you know we mm-hmm. connect with people we share um mm-hmm. and that's how we you know oftentimes again we're 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 generalizing because not everyone is the same but mm-hmm. typically as women we're going to reach out and we're going to try to connect with people because that's where our strength and our healing um may come from whereas men may do the complete opposite mhm absolutely and so I kind of thought about this, too, as, as I was thinking about our, our discussion or conversation. Um, you know, there, there will be some people that will say, you know, people are people. <laughs> and, and so what's the big deal? And there will be some black men, I would imagine, that might also say, why are you, why are you separating us from everyone else? You know, why are we different? You know, and that sometimes could be part of their... Mm-hmm part of their issue in society is that other people see them as different. So Mm -hmm. I thought about, you know, the question of, you know, are we doing black men an injustice by even thinking of them as an anomaly or, you know what I mean? Is it? I do. That's a great question. Um, And this is just Chandra's personal opinion. I don't think so. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that, Unless we're many times, not all the time, but many times, unless we're talking about black males um, or looking at them from a deficit perspective, um, or as some people say, you know, considering them an endangered species, oftentimes black males may be overlooked. Mm-hmm. And when it comes to mental health, we know that, one, men are less likely to seek um, counseling than, than women are. Um, there's research that supports that. But I do believe that, that black men are an anomaly, especially when we consider the huge disparities that exist between them and their counterparts. And I'm not saying that um, in a derogatory way whatsoever. I think it's important to shine the light on this segment of the population, especially as it deals with grief, especially in consideration of our current social political climate. And because we know that when grief, when those things that we're feeling inside are not dealt with in a healthy manner, they can lead to maladaptive behaviors. They can also lead to adverse mental health um, outcomes. Mm-hmm. So I think, I think they are an anomaly. Um, I think mm-hmm. it's a good thing, and I think it deserves and warrants attention. Yeah, and, and I don't disagree with you on that. And, you know, you mentioned, um, you know, the statistics that, that will show us that women will come to counseling before men will. So, you know, I see very few men in my office. I can 
I, I don't see a lot of men, but I do like working mm-hmm. with men. So if they're not coming, you know, if, if men who are hurting and, and grieving are not going to counseling, and that's not to say that everybody who is grieving needs to go to counseling, because that's not the exactly. truth either. Most people mm-hmm. after a loss are able to kind of process it and get through it themselves without professional help. Mm-hmm. So let me just kind of clarify mm-hmm. that. But um, for, for the ones that could use the help, and they don't come, where do they mm-hmm. generally go for help? Like, what's happening? Where, what are they doing? That's a, that's a big question. <laughs> Abby, that's a big question. What are they doing? Uh, and I think as, as friends and family and those who love and care um, and have black men in our lives who we know um, have experienced grief or are, are in the process of grieving, I think it's important and incumbent upon us to be very perceptive. Um, mm-hmm. You know, everyone's not a professional helper. And as you said, if they're not coming in, then, you know, how do we know if it becomes problematic? And, mm-hmm. and I would encourage all of us, again, to, to be perceptive, um, to pay attention to mm-hmm. the intensity of that, of those grief feelings, to pay attention to the duration, you know, mm-hmm. how long is it going on? Is it, has it gotten to the point where um, it is impairing their day-to-day life? It's impairing mm-hmm. their relationships. It's impairing their ability to go to work. Um, it's impairing mm-hmm. their ability to just live from day to day. And, and as you pointed out, you know, grief is normal. If, if, if mm-hmm. you live, you're going to experience grief. So, again, just to reiterate what you said, not everyone who's grieving and experiencing a loss um, needs professional help. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, if you see your loved one overindulging uh, in, in behaviors that are not the healthiest or that are counterproductive to, their pro- to his productivity, that's a concern. You know, drinking mm-hmm. more, you know, mm-hmm. smoking more, using drugs, um, engaging in risky behaviors, sense of mm-hmm. hopelessness, just not caring anymore. Those mm-hmm. are some signs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and also, you know, you talked earlier about loss, like loss is not just related to death. So for families and people around, our, you know, men to just pay attention to other things that might be happening in their lives. So they may not have, have lost someone through death, but what's going on at work? Uh, what's happening in their romantic relationships? So, and, you know, just all kind of losses we can experience just as, as human beings and be affected by it in a lot of ways like we are when, when we lose someone in death. Absolutely. So being, being, Absolutely. Yeah, being very perceptive and, um, you know, also giving people, giving them, I think, the permission to reach out, you know, like to be a safe place for people to come <laughs> and not think that Absolutely. if they share there, if they open up and share and be vulnerable, that they will be shunned or criticized or analyzed because, you know, mm-hmm. when that happens, what, what will anybody do? You shut down. You shut you down. You shut down, right. You're absolutely right. You, you raised a very good point about, um, 
it kind of goes back to what I was saying earlier about just being being present with them. And as you said, without the criticism, being someplace or, or providing an opportunity or space for them where you can just listen without judgment. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I remember during our roundtable at the ACA conference in Atlanta, um, a young lady shared how, you know, uh, in the literature talked about this engaging them. Alan Wolfelt talks a lot about how men have a need to, to feel strong, to feel active, and to feel like they are the protector. Um, mm-hmm. And again, we're, we're generalizing because that may not be the case with all men, but mm-hmm. um, I remember this young lady sharing in her work with, with black men who or grieving, just engaging with them where they are and that need to be active. And so, you know, in our typical work, um, you know, as counsel, we talk about feelings. That's, mm-hmm. you know, many of us, that is approach, an approach that we use. We want to talk about feelings and, 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 and help people process those feelings. But some men, they're not going to come, they're not going to do a deep dive into those feelings, right? So. Um, some of them may choose to to uh, be active, um, you know, and, and the literature talks about engaging with them and what they're doing. So, you know, through their grief, grief, if they're active in sports or if they are a volunteer and they may delve deeper into their volunteer work, um, maybe they do fundraising, maybe they're taking legal action um, for whatever reason as a result, maybe just engaging with them. Um, in that process, just being present with them in that mm-hmm. process. And I think the young lady talked about, um, I think it was cooking or, or playing golf, or I can't remember, but she said I think she it was, was cooking. I think it was client. cooking, yeah. It was cooking, yeah. And it yeah. was just being present with her client, and every now and then, I know she described it as a little nugget. Like, mm-hmm. he may share something about his mm-hmm. loss, and because you're engaged with him, you're just there to listen, and I, I will admit that, you know, sometimes as therapists, if we hear somebody mention one thing, we'll want to focus <laughs> on that. It's like, okay, yeah. well, tell me more about that. No, because as you said, what may happen then? Shut they shut down. down. Right? So let's leave it there. We're right. coming up on our... We're coming up on our second break, and I, I think you've shared some wonderful, some, some great information that people will be able to take away. Um, so let's, let's, when we come back, let's talk about the emotional pain of grief. Like, what would you suggest black men do to heal the emotional pain of grief? So anything you can share would be very helpful. Thanks for listening, and we're listening to Dr. Chandra Johnson talking about how black men grieve. Thank you. Find out what makes the most successful people tick. Keep listening to the Voice America Empowerment Channel, voiceamericaempowerment.com. Are there times when you feel inadequate dealing with the difficult emotions of grieving families? Would you like to help these families but don't know where to start? If so, grief counselor Addie Anderson can help. Discover what many funeral homes already know about meeting the emotional needs of families that they serve. Be a valued resource to families during a time when they need it most. They'll appreciate your commitment to their well-being. Call Addie Anderson at 708-870-6255 to schedule a consultation. Hi, I'm Sam Nussbaum, WellPoint's Chief Medical Officer. 
We proudly support the March of Dimes mission to improve the health of babies and fight premature birth. We're helping the March of Dimes fund breakthroughs in research and community programs that help more moms have full-term pregnancies and healthy babies. Join us in working together to provide children with a healthier start in life. Visit marchofdimes.org. Change your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. This is Let's Talk About Grief with Addie Anderson. If you want more information about our program, please feel free to visit therapyoakpark.net. That's therapyoakpark.net. Now, back to Let's Talk About Grief. Welcome back. Welcome back. And thanks for being here with us today. Dr. Chandra Johnson is talking with us about grief and specifically about the grief experience of black men. And we will continue this conversation. We're going to, I'm going to ask you, Chandra, if, you know, if you could kind of just kind of let us know what you would suggest that black men do to heal the emotional pain of grief. Like, is this something that they need to pay attention to? Um, be very specific about looking into it, or or what? You know, what do you think they should do? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I do think it is something that um, they need to pay attention to. Um, again, because we talked about the different types of of losses that can result in grievous experiences. And I would say um, one of the first things and probably the most important thing would be to acknowledge the grief, uh, not Mm -hmm. to ignore it. And grief is accompanied by so many different emotions. Um, We said before, it can be the hurt, the pain, the emptiness, anger, um, whatever it is that, um, he may be experiencing to, instead of pushing it down and ignoring it and, and acting mm-hmm. like it's not there, acknowledge it. Um, mm-hmm. and, and when it comes to healing, my perception may be different than others, but when it comes to a loss, I don't, I don't necessarily know if people actually heal from mm-hmm. um, a significant loss like that. I, mm-hmm. I do believe that over time, the intensity of that hurt or that that pain, that emptiness, I believe it changes. And Mm -hmm. I do believe that over time, people do become uh, more emotionally healthy. Um, I don't necessarily know if people, if you heal from from a significant loss like that, but I know ignoring it is likely going to delay that process. Mm -hmm. And finding healthy ways to mourn. Um, you know, crying is not the only way we mourn, but mm-hmm. it, 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 because grief is so natural, trying to ignore it to me is just like, you know, um, when you stub your toe, if you're walking and you hit your toe on something, mm-hmm. you know, a natural reaction is ouch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Some people may use other <laughs> words, but, you know, that pain, you immediately feel it and you acknowledge it. Hurts. it. So. Yes. <laughs> right, because it hurts, right? And so why do we try to do the complete opposite when it comes to grief? Mm-hmm. It's like it hurts. Find a healthy way to acknowledge it and to get it out. And 
for men and black, it may not be going to, you know, schedule an appointment and sit on someone's couch, but mm-hmm. acknowledge it. You know, we always talk about finding that safe person, you know, that mm-hmm. person that, that you are comfortable sharing with and, you know, allowing them to engage with you. In, in yes. whatever way, you know, the literature type men are going to use their men and women are going to use their inherent strength when it comes mm-hmm. to dealing with grief. Um, mm-hmm. And so I think we need to give people the room, give men, give black men the room to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it kind of reminds me, too, when you said when you talked about um, healing and that the healing never goes away it just kind of changes over time that how often do we hear people who are grieving say they want closure and Mm -hmm. and and there is as in my opinion (laughs) you don't get closure it's almost like when you think about let's just say someone who if you have a loved one who was murdered And you want justice Mm -hmm. and you go to court, right? And you have, you know, the person who murdered your loved one has been sentenced to to life or whatever the sentence is. It doesn't matter, right? That doesn't take Mm -hmm. away the pain of the loss of the loved one. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So, Mm -hmm. but but some people seem to think that they will get closure from that. And that's, I know that's an extreme example, but um, you you generally, you know, it's not closure that you're looking for. You're looking for ways mm-hmm. to heal and the intensity of the feelings over time will diminish. And you'll learn Absolutely. how to deal with those. Absolutely. And I, and I believe that, that it's, a, it's, a, it's the process, part of the journey and part of that process is finding ways or finding a way to integrate that loss into the rest of your life because, yes. you know, I, I know when, when, when um, a person is in that moment, um, I think your guest said it perfectly last week when she said the world just stood still. Like, mm-hmm. I knew that the world was moving around me because I knew people had to go to work. I knew people had to take care of their kids and their family, mm-hmm. but the world just stood still. And, that is, is a, a common experience when someone's in the midst of that. But in order for, you know, like you said, closure, we don't know if that ever comes, if that's even mm-hmm. possible. Um, mm-hmm. And healing, do you really heal? You find a way to integrate that loss into your life so that mm-hmm. you can continue to live. Yeah, and this might be a, a place, too, where we can talk about stages. I'm not exactly sure what your thoughts are on stages of grief, uh, and I'd like to bring that up because I know a lot of people will talk about the stages. I personally don't believe in the stages. I think that mm-hmm. there are experiences of grief, um, and even when the stages were developed years ago, um, you know, they weren't particularly developed for how we use it today do you mm-hmm. are you familiar I, with that I would agree mm-hmm. yes and I would agree wholeheartedly and and there's um you know there are new models and trainings out there um as, as you know as it relates to grief that are kind mm-hmm. of shifting away from that stage uh mm-hmm. process of grief because you know as we know that this thing is so personal 
and so intimate um, that no two people may necessarily do it the same, that to think that it occurs in stages in a linear fashion is actually kind of, I mean, and I understand the, the early days that this is what we had, and at that time it made sense because we didn't mm-hmm. know a lot about the process. But I agree with you that, yeah, it, everything doesn't happen in that linear fashion. So to, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I'd be lying if I wasn't guilty of saying that, you know, back in the day I would, like, hand hand someone a, a, a handout that had the stage. Oh, me too. Said, Tell me where <laughs> you are right now, you know. <laughs> right. Definitely, you know, that, like I said, you know, in grad school coming out, we didn't get a whole lot of education on how to help people with grief. And so Mm -hmm. you come out and you use what's there. And that's okay. You know, that's okay. It's just that as as you grow, then you you do something differently. (laughs) You are absolutely (laughs) right. And and funny, you mentioned grad school. I am um, offering uh, grief and loss counseling as a course for the very first time on our campus this fall. Um, and I'm just hopeful that the course makes that students will sign, you know, that, that enough students are interested in it to, to sign up for the course because I'm excited mm. to teach it. And I've been here, I've been there almost nine, eight years, and this is the first time that we will have offered it as a department. So you're right, See? it's not something that, that, yeah, gets a lot of attention. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so... Um Let's also kind of dive into a little bit about what people, what other people can do to help the grieving man, right? Because we know we're not an island and we are, we have people in our, in our space and they want to do the best they can. And we want to help them do the best they, to do the best they can for the person who's grieving the black male. Um, Mm -hmm. What what can we what can we say like what can we offer people to say you know this is something you can think about today that might help someone you know is grieving someone you know so I, I think we kind of touched on some of that earlier and I will just reiterate that is I think one um, very important thing is to recognize that it is truly a personal journey and that. Um, as someone who cares about that man in your life, respect the differences in the grief process. Mm-hmm. One, um, you know, as it relates to gender, that respect and, and, and expect that most men, not all men, but most men are not or may not come in and just pour out their feelings. They may not mm-hmm. come in and tell you, you know, I, my mother passed and I, I feel empty. I don't. I mm-hmm. feel like I don't know where I'm going to go next. They may not come in and and say that. And you know, as much as we want to push and push, and I want him to talk to me. I want him to talk to me. Just understand and recognize that that may not be how it comes um, mm-hmm. to you. But recognize that it's a personal journey. Uh, respect the differences, and again, be present. Join mm-hmm. with him where mm-hmm. he is. As you mm-hmm. listen without judgment, without mm-hmm. criticism. Don't think that there's anything necessarily wrong because wrong. he doesn't want to talk about his feelings. That's true, and I think it's also important to not look at grief as a problem, mm-hmm. right? Because when you yeah. look at grief as a problem, then our first instinct when we have a problem is that we want to fix it. <laughs> mm-hmm. And grief mm-hmm. is not something that you fix. 
it's like it's something that you experience and um, for people for those of us who witness someone grieving it's it's somehow we learn how to bear witness to the grief right and and what right. that means is what you've already said is to be present anticipate what what the needs might be because sometimes they don't know what they are they don't know what they need mm-hmm. they don't know what they want all they know mm-hmm. is that they're hurting they're in pain they want it to go away it's not going away and um, you know like what is it that they do so just kind of mm-hmm. be there with them so, and and sometimes you don't have to say anything it's just being there because I think it's, it's better yeah. sometimes not to say something than to say the wrong thing. <laughs> say the wrong thing, yes, yes, yes. We're good, we're good at it's that. Been six months. <laughs> yes, exactly. exactly. And that a lot of that has to do with our being uncomfortable with the grief process, not understanding it. And, you know, because we're uncomfortable, we want other people to make us feel comfortable. So mm-hmm. we need you to hurry up mm-hmm. and get over this. And yeah. so I agree. Yeah. If you don't know what to say, don't say anything at all. Just let them know you're there. Go Just sit in the room with there. them. You yeah, know? Get them. Mm-hmm. Pull up. If yeah. you're watching a movie, sit down and watch the movie with them. You don't mm-hmm. have to have the right thing to say because most times there is no right thing. There are wrong things to say, but most mm-hmm. of the time there's <laughs> nothing you can say that's going to make it better. That's right. That's right. And I think that's what people have a hard time accepting, that this is something they really can't do anything about in the way that they're used to solving issues. And mm-hmm. and the way to get, to get away from that is to stop thinking about grief as a problem. Uh, and that's mm-hmm. hard because in, in our society, it's looked at as a problem. <laughs> but, mm-hmm. you know, the purpose of this show is to provide grief education. So, um, you know, hopefully the people who are listening are being enlightened and that they will go out and and share what what they're learning about what we're talking about today. Mm -hmm. I hope so, too, Addie. I hope so. Yeah, so um, I think that we're we're running out of time, actually, and it went so fast. (laughs) It did. (laughs) Yeah, it has been such a pleasure to talk to you about this. I wish you... Um, you know, the best on your upcoming conference in Italy. You know, you get a chance to continue to present on this issue. So you're spreading the word widely. So thank you for that. So I want to thank everybody for listening. You can reach Dr. Chandra at at greaterlivingcounseling.com. If you have a show idea or would like to be a guest on the show, please email me at letstalkgrief at gmail.com or call 708-870-6255. Be sure and listen next week when my guest will be Dr. Janice Johnston, the author of Midlife Maze. She'll talk about how loss affects us in midlife. Thanks for listening and have a great week. Thank you for tuning in to Let's Talk About Grief. Please join your host, Addie Anderson, again next Monday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Until we speak again, be there for a loved one who might need you this week.